Well, all of us ha have been lost at some point, right? You're traveling or visiting a, a city that you're not familiar with. Uh, maybe you're, um, I, I don't know, maybe you're camping, maybe you're hiking, uh, maybe you're in a parking garage, maybe you're at the mall, right? Maybe you're in your own neighborhood, right? Um, I, I can confess this to you as long as you promise not to tell anyone. Um, I've actually been lost in all of those places in the past month. Okay, um, so just this past month, um, I, I was traveling with in Portland. I was with Autumn and and, uh, and RJ and, and Corey. You, you guys know Corey. Corey is the head of our creative and communications department. And so we were at this conference in Portland. None of us have ever been in the city before, and so you know how it is. Um, we're, we're all looking out the windows as we're driving, um, trying to see all, all the sights. And, and our flight had just landed, so we wanted to get to our hotel. We wanted to, to check in, you know, drop our bags off, go get something to eat. And so um, we do all that. We come out of lunch, and, and I, I lost the car. Right, and, I mean, and, and they're all looking at me like, how, how can you lose a car? And I'm like, I, you can't hold me responsible for knowing where I am. Just because I drove here, it does not mean that I know how to find wherever we are. And, and so, you know, they're all, we're all looking around. So I'm holding up my remote, walking around, like trying to, you know, doing this whole thing, trying to make it beep. You know, RJ is looking at me. He's like, okay, you used an app to park the car. Get out the app. It'll tell you where the car is. And so I'm like, that's a great idea. So I'm looking at my app zone 59960 like where it's not giving me a location it's just telling me a zone Corey's looking at street signs trying to find out where the zones are like are these zip codes what are these things right and autumn is trying to be so, so supportive right and so kind and, and she's like um you, do, do any of these buildings look familiar does this look familiar and i'm like yeah it looks familiar i've seen it three times right i yeah so i'm, I'm walking around i'm trying to make the horn go off finally after 20 minutes right i, I start to see the the lights flash and and I hear, hear the horn, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, 20 minutes isn't bad. I've been lost for a lot longer th than this, right? And so all of us, right, you know this, all of us have been lost at, at some point, and, and I feel like I'm a bit of an expert on this subject, um, but this is kind of the interesting uh, about thing about getting lost. There's a big difference, right? There's a big difference between getting lost and actually being lost, right? Because when you're getting lost, you actually have no idea that you're getting lost. But the truth is, you are actually already lost and you just don't know it. And you can get lost confidently, right? You can get lost with, with great uh, assurance. And, and then suddenly um, something happens and, and you realize, you're like, oh no, right? Oh no, I am lost. Now, again, there's several things that actually contribute to this, and, and you know this. Um, one is that you get a bad map, right? Someone gives you bad directions, they scribble some directions out for you, um, and, and the map they, they give you is wrong, right? And so you're driving along or, or whatever, and suddenly you, you realize it's like, oh no, the, the traffic light isn't there, right? The street sign isn't there, the whatever it is that you're looking for isn't there, and you realize, okay, oh no, um, I'm lost. Um, the other way that we get lost, and this is what happens to me all the time, um, is you, you misapply the map, right? You have a good map, right? But, um, but something happens and you miss a turn, right? Or, or you're supposed to go through an intersection. You don't go through the intersection. You just kind of randomly turn at the intersection. That's what I do for whatever reason. And, and so then you realize, uh, you know, you're lost. Um, and then the, the other way that you get lost uh, is you just get distracted, right? You, you just get distracted. And, and so, um, so you miss what's going on around you. And the truth is, uh, many times in life, we end up lost uh, for, for no other reason than we simply get distracted. Now, here's what's so interesting about this whole thing. When you get lost, or you think about this, you start out knowing exactly where you are, right? And you also are confident about where it is that you want to end up. 
right? And this is actually kind of weird if you think about it, because you, you started off and you knew exactly where you were. You were confident about where it is that you wanted to end up. And yet, in spite of all that insurance, in spite of all that confidence, right, you still end up getting lost. And that's actually because there's a very important principle that's at work here, which we could spend a lot of time talking about, but we're not going to do that today, maybe a different day, um, which is simply that self-assurance and self-confidence are no guarantee about not getting lost in life. And, and see, the reason this is so important is because many of us were told, in fact, you, you may have been told this, that listen, as long, um, as long as you're confident, right, about whatever decisions you're making, as long as you feel good about whatever choices you're making, then you're going to be fine, right? I'm going to be fine. And yet the truth is most of us are old enough to know that that just simply is not true, right? And um, you can get lost in just about any area of life, right? This does not just apply geographically, right? You can get lost professionally. You choose the right major in college, right? You do well in college. You get some great job interviews. Uh, and then a couple years in, into your job, maybe 10, 12 years into your job, you, you wake up one morning and you kind of look in the mirror and you're like, uh, I, I did not grow up to be, right, what I, I thought I was going to grow up to be, and I don't know how it happened, right, and, and you realize that you're lost, right, you can get lost emotionally, you can get lost um, spiritually, you can get lost relationally, we, we've talked about that, and in every one of those areas of life, what's so interesting, that journey, it always begins w with a sense, right, of self-assurance and self-confidence, now, here, here's what we're going to talk about together for, for the next couple of weeks in this series. We're going to talk about what it means to actually be lost in the area of, of money and, and personal finance. And there's two big reasons that, that I want us to do this for a couple of weeks. Um, and, and the first reason uh, is simply that if all the statistics that are out there in our world are, are true, right, and they probably are, um, and you can feel free to fact check me on this if you want to. Um, but in our world right now, somewhere between 50 and 80% of people in America, because of our current economic circumstances, have no idea where it is that they are financially, right? They're lost and, and they do not know by their own admission, they do not know where they are and they do not know how to get out of the situation that they're in. Right, and here's um, what, what being lost financially um, feels like. It's like, okay, I make a lot of money, right? I make a lot, we make a lot of money, but we have constant financial pressure, right? We have a lot of money coming in, right? There's plenty of money coming in, um, but I don't know if there's really going to be any money when we need it. We work hard, right? We work really hard, and we actually get paid for what it is that we do, um, but I'm not sure um, that I'm ever or, or we're ever going to be able to stop working. And see, this is the interesting thing, and this is the, one of the things that should really make all of us kind of stop and realize that there is, in fact, more to money than, than we oftentimes recognize. The truth is that our personal finances should actually be the easiest area of life in which not to get lost in. Right, because you, you think about this, um, there should be no mystery with our money. B because unlike um, love, right, which is all mystery, right, uh, unlike um, relationships, w w which are all intangible, right, unlike your career where, where there's parts of your career that you control, but the truth is there are huge parts of your career that you actually have, uh, you have no control over, right, uh, unlike um, emotions, 
which are very reactive and very subjective, right? There should be no mystery when it comes to money because I know exactly how many are coming in and I am in fact the one who's choosing to send them, right? Wherever it is that they go and whatever it is that they do, right? So there should be no mystery with our money. And yet the truth is, right? And all of us know this, right? Um, for many of us, uh, it is the area of personal money and finance, which is just like this big fog, right? It's just this big fog. And wherever there's fog, there's uncertainty, right? And wherever there's uncertainty, there's always pressure. And wherever there is pressure, there is the opportunity for conflict, right? There, there can be, there, and there is the opportunity for loss, right? And, and you know this, there can be loss because of money relationally, right? There can be a loss of ethics, right? When it comes to money, because you, you feel like you have to do some things that maybe normally you would not do, in order to get yourself or perhaps to get your family back to where they need to be financially, right? And the truth is this has nothing to do with how much money you make, does it? Because you can get lost with a little bit of money and you can get lost with huge sums of money and getting more money does not automatically fix any of this. In fact, here's a couple indicators um, that if, if you, if these situations describe you, then you might realize that you are in fact lost when it comes to the area uh, of personal finance and, and money. Listen, if you spend more money than you make in a year, then chances are you're lost, right? If you don't know if you're spending more money than you make in, in a year, if you don't care that you're spending more money than you make in a year. If you owe more on your car, than your car is worth, right? If paying the minimums on your credit card is just a way of life. If you think that paying the minimums on your credit card is in fact good financial planning, right? And, and it's easy to laugh at this, but this is sad, right? You think about this because somebody handed this person a map Right, they said, okay, um, here's what you do. You max out your credit card, right, but just, just make sure that you pay the minimums every month. Right, somebody handed this person that map, and so they followed that map, and then one day they realized, oh no, right, oh no, I'm lost. If the only money that you ever save is what you put into your 401k, if you don't know if you have a 401k, Right, you might be lost. Now those are all the easy ones. Here's the hard ones. Listen, you have financial dreams but no plan. You don't know how much you actually owe. This is tough. If your household income is more than $80,000 a year and yet you still feel significant financial pressure constantly. If you're making financial decisions that you hope the IRS never discovers. If you're making financial decisions that you hope your spouse never discovers. Right, because this wasn't the plan, was it? No, nobody was in bed one night thinking to themselves, okay, one day, someday, one day, someday, I hope. Right? I hope that I get so upside down financially that I make a whole bunch of decisions that I hope nobody ever discovers and, th and th that I never get caught. Right? That is the definition of being lost. And see, all of that, right, all of that that we just covered, that is in fact simply the first reason. 
right? That's the first reason that, that we're going to talk about this series, uh, talk about this subject for the next several weeks. Um, but here's the primary reason, right? This is the, the main reason um, that I want us to spend a couple of weeks on this. And this might be a little offensive. I will acknowledge that um, for, for some of you. But just please know um, that that is not my goal. Um, and, and so um, actually, if you find yourself kind of pushing back a little bit on what it is that I'm about to say, and so you decide that you're going to go home today and you're going to prove me wrong, right? Um, I'm going to actually count that as a win, okay? Especially if you are new to church, um, new to Jesus, new to reading the, the Bible. Um, but, but listen, um, here, here's why we have to talk about this subject of money and finance in church. Because, listen, you cannot be, right? You, you cannot be a wholehearted follower of Jesus and remain content at simply being lost financially. It's not possible, Right? You cannot wholeheartedly follow your Savior, Jesus, and say, okay, here I am, here's all of me, right? I am surrendering myself to you, Jesus, I'm yours, right? Jesus, I am submitted to you, Jesus, I'm surrendered to you. You cannot wholeheartedly follow Jesus as your Savior and remain content about being lost financially. It's not possible. Jesus said too much. He talked too much about money. It would be no different than if I were to say, listen, okay, you know, I, I, I'm a follower of Jesus, um, but, but you know what? The truth is I, I just can't stand, you know, those people, right? You know, those people, th th those people. I just, I just don't want to have anything to do with them. I, I follow Jesus. I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? But I can't stand being, you know, with those people, right? You can't. It's not possible because Jesus said too much, right? He, he taught too much. It is mutually exclusive to say that you love Jesus and you follow Jesus and yet you, you don't care about or you're apathetic to the needs and the concerns of the people around you. He just said too much. And so in the very same way, you cannot wholeheartedly, I cannot wholeheartedly be a follower of Jesus and simply be content with remaining lost financially, right? It's a discipleship issue. It's a submission issue. Right? This is the difference um, between knowing what Jesus says and actually doing the things that Jesus says. That's why whenever you hear me talk about following Jesus, we always talk about this in, in, in three different ways. Right? We talk about it as the idea of being with Jesus, living like Jesus, but then in addition also actively doing the things. Right? Actively doing the things that Jesus himself did. And again, um, you might know this, or, or this may, may be brand new to you, but if you go through the Gospels, right, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and if you add up everything that Jesus taught on the subjects of heaven and hell and salvation, and you take those three subjects combined, Jesus actually taught more about money than those three subjects combined. Right? And so for us to say, or for me to say, okay, again, I love Jesus, yes I do, I love Jesus, how about you, and Jesus, I'm going to follow you, and Jesus, I'm going to surrender my life to you, and Jesus, I just want you to bless me, and bless my kids, and bless my family, and bless my business, and you know, just bless, 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 but Jesus, I'm not actually going to do anything about the primary thing that you talked about. It's just not possible, because Jesus said too much, he just taught too much about money. Here's one of the things that Jesus said. You may, you may have heard this before. Um, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6. He says, listen, where your treasure is, right, there your heart will be also. Right? Now, you may have heard this before. But understand, Jesus was not angry when he said this. 
right? This was not, um, this was not an indictment, right? He was just simply making a, a statement uh, of fact, right? He's explaining something that, that all of us have experienced in, in the course of our lives, that, um, that wherever we send our money, right, a little piece of our heart, a little bit of our attention, just, it just naturally follows, right? Whatever's happening in, in our personal finances, Jesus is saying, that there's a reflection of that same thing going on in our hearts because our hearts just naturally follow our money, right? This is why if you buy a stock in a company, right, this is why you, you find a little bit of your attention and a little bit of your emotion kind of connecting with that company and that stock. It's because a little bit of your heart um, suddenly went and got attached to four little letters on a screen someplace, and see, here's the implication of this, and this is huge. Jesus is saying, listen, you may make plenty of money, right? But if, if your personal finances are, are a mess, then, then your heart is all intertwined and, and mixed in with all that. So you can't follow me with your heart, Jesus is saying, if your personal finances are a mess and you have no intention of doing anything about it. It's why Jesus, a little bit later on, says this in Luke chapter 16. We're going to look at this in depth in a couple of weeks. He, he says, no servant, right, which would be us, can serve two masters, which we understand. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you're going to be devoted to the one and despise the other, which makes sense, right? We, we totally get this. But then listen to Jesus' conclusion. He says, so therefore, you cannot serve both God and money. Now, here's what's interesting about this statement, because if I were to put this statement up on the screen like this, right, and if you were to say to me, okay, Joe, fill in the blank, right, with whatever you think belongs in that screen, um, my first reaction would be to say, okay, you, well, Jesus, that's easy, Jesus, because you cannot serve both God and the devil, right, because that's just what I naturally think about being the opposite to God, but Jesus is saying, no, that, that's actually, that's not it, right? That's, that's not true. Um, it, it's actually money, right? Money. The opposite of serving God is serving money, right? To which we want to say, okay, Jesus, that, that doesn't even make sense. That's, that's not true. And Jesus says, no, trust me, right? Trust me. I, I know how this works because your, your heart and your money are linked. And, and see, what Jesus is teaching is this. The, the number one competitor for your heart, right, that your Savior faces, the number one competitor for your heart that your Heavenly Father faces, it's not somebody, it's not even some entity. It is your stuff. This is why Jesus talks so much about money. He knows that it is the number one competitor for our hearts, for our time, and for our attention. Right? And so Jesus says, okay, um, I, I want to help untangle that whole mess, right? And, 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 and you, you have to surrender this. You've got to surrender this area of your life to me. And see, understand, Jesus is not interested in getting your money. That is not what Jesus is interested in at all. What he is interested in, however, is capturing your heart. And our hearts are linked to our personal finance and our money and our stuff. And, and listen, if you're skeptical about this whole thing, right, if you're skeptical about, you know, my motives for why we're doing this series, I, I understand all that. Um, but all I would tell you is, listen, you should know, you should know this. 
if you go through the Gospels and you find all these different times that Jesus talks about money, what you're going to discover is that there is only one verse and there's only one situation where Jesus ever asks anyone to give him any money. And that situation is when Jesus asked to borrow a coin from somebody for an illustration. And when he was done with the illustration, he actually gave them back their coin. Right? And so Jesus talked a lot about money, but he never asked anybody to give him any money. And the reason Jesus talks to us so much about money in the Gospels is not because he wants to get our money. It's because he does not want our money to get us. And everybody in this room knows what it feels like to be gotten by your money and to be gotten by a bunch of debt. Right? And so your Heavenly Father says, listen, I want to actually help you with that. I want to untangle all that. Right? Th this is why in the Old Testament you, you hear this. You may have heard this before. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything. Right? And the Hebrew for this word is everything. Right? Everything. Everything in heavens and on earth is yours. See, all that stuff that our hearts all get tangled up with, all that stuff that we want to go and consume and acquire and upgrade, all of that actually belongs to our Heavenly Father. And so consequently, how it is that we use and how it is that we handle our stuff and how it is that we view our money, that in fact is a spiritual issue. That's what this is explaining to us. Right, that you cannot divorce, right? you cannot separate um, your devotion to God from how it is that you handle your stuff. It's impossible. Right? Now, now you can try. And, and if you do, what you're going to end up with is being in this constant cycle of trying to get God's attention and trying to get God in on your financial deal. And it's always going to be, okay, God help me, bless me, God help me, bless me, fix this, make this bigger, grow this. Right? That, that's if you, when you try to separate those two things, that's where we always end up in. It's just trying to get God in on our deal financially. And, and think about it this way. Um, because I, I think everybody would, would get this. Let's say you wake up tomorrow morning and you discover that somehow overnight you just have a major financial loss. Right? Everything goes to zero. Stock market goes to zero, your bank account goes to zero, right? Inflation goes to 100. None of this is that far-fetched at this point, right? So let's just say you, you, we wake up and you find out tomorrow morning that you have nothing, right? It is, it is all gone, right? It is all gone. It, isn't it true, right? Isn't it true if that were to happen to you um, that, that we would say, okay, you know, God, I, I, just, I, I, want, I want you to help me? God, I, God, we might even be tempted to say in that situation, okay, God, I want to surrender everything I have to you. To which God would say, well, you don't have anything anymore. Like, so, so I know. But see, that's why I'm surrendering it to you. Because see, see now it, it, it's easy. Well, so then why were you not willing to surrender it to me before when, when things were going good? Well, because, you know, things were going good and I didn't need you. I didn't need you. See, all of us, if we lost everything, right? I mean, we would not even hesitate to invite God into our finances. Right? So here's the, the real question with this. Here's the challenge. Then, then why would we not invite him in 
now. See, this is why Jesus says you can't have two masters. You're going to end up having one master. You're going to serve either God or your stuff. And if you're lost in, in the realm of money and stuff, your heart is all twisted up and mixed up with that. And it is impossible. It is impossible to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus and remain content with being lost in your finances. Now, again, let, let me just repeat this because I get it. Like, preacher talking about money, right? It makes everybody feel a little bit awkward and start reaching for their wallets, okay? So I understand. The purpose of this series is not that I want anything from you. That's not why we're doing this. The reason we're doing this is because I want something for you. And as your pastor, I want to see you surrender every single area of life to, you, to your Heavenly Father. I literally pray that for you, for all of you, every single day. Every single day, I just pray that you would surrender your entire lives to your Heavenly Father. And I know how easy it is, okay, how easy it is for all of us to, to surrender our relationships to God, our marriages to God, because many times we don't experience in those relationships what we think we should, right? For those of you who are parents, you know how easy it is to surrender your kids to God, because it's like, okay, God, please don't let me mess them up, right? So it's easy to hand our kids over to God. It's even um, easy in many ways to hand our careers over to God, our jobs, because they're hard. Right? But it's so easy for us to hold on to the area of money and finance because for many of us, if we're honest, we're kind of like, well, you know what, I'm doing okay with this one. So I don't know that, you know, I don't know that I want to give this up exactly. And so the truth is for, for many people, the area of money and finance is often the last thing that we give up. It's the last thing that we surrender to our Heavenly Father, and it is the very first thing that we try to take back. And so you know what else I want for you? I want you to experience God's faithfulness, right? I, I want something to happen for you in, in your personal you know, finances where you wake up one day. Maybe you and, and your spouse, you wake up one day and, and you actually say to each other, okay, wait a minute, there really is a God because there is no other way to explain what we've experienced in our finances than God. And, and I don't know why it is exactly that the area of money and finance seems to be one of those areas where God shows up in the most unique and tangible ways. Another thing that I want for you is I actually just want you to be free to do whatever it is that God calls you to do. Right? So many times over the years, I've seen people who start following Jesus. They start learning to, me, to understand what it means to actually um, follow Jesus actively with their lives. And so many times, um, as they're in the process of growing spiritually, they feel like God gives them a picture or a vision or an idea for a ministry or a nonprofit or the way, some way to help the community. And, and so many times, right, even though they feel like that's something that God has put on their hearts, um, they, they just can't do it. Right? They can't do it because they're so upside down financially or they don't, they don't know where they're at financially. And I, and I just want you to be free to do whatever it is that God calls you to do. The other thing I, I want for you is I want for you to experience um, you know, financial security. Right? Secu I want you to be secure financially. And this does not mean having bags of money stashed at home someplace. I mean, I hope you do. That would be great. Right? But you do not need to have a lot of money. To, to feel secure financially. You can have just a little bit of money and, and feel secure financially. You know how scripture describes this feeling? It, it's in Proverbs 21 where it says this. It says, in the house of the wise, think about this, 
are stores of choice food and oil. But a foolish person devours all that they have. See, you know this. You and I live in a culture and we live in a world that tells us every single day to devour everything we have and then go out and just borrow some more money so that you can devour all of that as well. That's the message that we hear every single day from our culture and from our world, right? And see, you know what I want you to experience? I want you to experience the peace that can actually come from having margin. That you would no longer be the person who, who wakes up and says, okay, listen, I devoured it. You know, I was making 30000 a year. I devoured it at 60000 I'm devouring it at 130000 I, I don't know where it all goes. I just devoured it. Just, it, just, it just goes away. I don't know what even happens to it. It just gets devoured. And then there's another group of you, right, because you don't have any peace when it comes to finances, right? Be because I, for, for you, you know what this means for you? I want you to stop living with the anxiety and the fear that comes from spending money. Because some of you, if you're honest, you think to yourself, and you know um, that you have plenty, right? You know that you have extra. But even with that, you have no peace, do you? And see, if that's you, you know what I want for you? I, I, I want you um, to learn and to experience what it means to be content. And, and here's what's so hard about this. If I were to say to you, okay, after service, if you want to come down front, I, I've got a magic button stashed up here. And if you push this button, I promise you, you'll be content with everything in your life. Now, you'll still be ambitious. You're still going to work hard. Right? But if you push this button you're just going to somehow, you're going to magically become content. W would you even want to press that button? Now, regardless of how you would answer that question, here's what I also know is true about you. Regardless of whether or not you want to be content or not in life and with stuff, you want all the people that you're supporting financially to be content, don't you? Because every single one of us, we know the inherent danger that comes from this sense of constant discontentment, right? Constant, constant discontentment. Our culture and our world is actually fueled by a sense of constant discontentment. Most of the lostness that we experience in our life, right, and, and that's, this is not true throughout the entire world. This just happens to be true for our little slice of the world. But much of the, the lostness that we feel and that we experience in life is because this sense of constant discontentment has just permeated all of us. And see, I want you to actually learn how to be content. And did you know that Jesus teaches, that the scripture actually teaches how to be content? See, that's why. That's why we're going to spend some time together over these next several weeks talking about this. Now, um, as we wrap up today, on your way out, um, our host team has something special for you today. In addition to some questions at the end of the message each week during this series, I'm going to give you a, a tool. Um, this week's tool looks like this. These will be available um, at, with our host team. They'll, you'll be able to pick them up. For those of you who are watching online, uh, if you go to our website and you look at the sermon series page, you'll find this tool there available for you to download. If you need more of these, you can go to our website and you can download these there. Every single week in the series, I'm going to have a different tool for you. Um, I'm going to share um, some, some, uh, some Excel sheets that I've had and that I've made up over the years. Um, some of you are going to absolutely love these Excel sheets. Others of you are going to be terrified by them. 
Still others of you are going to think that I need to go to therapy because of them, which is perhaps true, right? But the, I, I just want to help you. I, I, I just want to help you. And I'll be honest, um, this is not the best way uh, of tracking your finances, but tracking where your money is going is the first step in getting unlost, okay? It's the first step. If you cannot track where your money is actually going, you will never get unlost. And this is not the best way. Um, but I can't afford to buy each of you a copy of Quicken and then teach you how to use it, okay? So, so this is just, this is a visual reminder that you need to have a, a system, right? That you need to have a system because it is impossible to get unlost financially if you do not know where your money is going. Because listen, when it comes to the area of money and personal finance, the opposite of lost is not found. It's actually knowing Right? It's discovering where you're actually at and where you want to be. Where is your money really going? And again, this is um, documenting this and reporting how your money is being spent. This is, in fact, a very spiritual exercise. Because, again, you cannot wholeheartedly follow Jesus as your Savior and remain content about being lost financially. So I'm looking forward to this series. I'm looking forward to talking about with th this with you over the next several weeks. And so once again, uh, I've got a couple of questions I'd love to have you discuss in some groups. A small group would be great. If you've got um, some friends who are kind of at the same age and stage of life, um, this is a great conversation to have in that context. It's also a great conversation to have with some people who are maybe one or two steps ahead of you. So here's the questions. If you didn't get these on your outline this week, you can take a picture of the screen right now. What are some of the things that cause people to get lost financially? Right, number two, um, reread Matthew 6.21. And I want you to think of some examples in, in your own life, right? My life has plenty of these where your heart has ended up following your stuff. In, in Luke chapter 16, um, again, read verse 13. How does our stuff actually compete with our devotion to God? And then this is, a, this is a great question, but I'll be honest, this is a very vulnerable question. What would you like to see happen in your life and in your finances as a result of this series over the next several weeks? And so with that, let me pray for you today. Heavenly Father, Father, thank you that all throughout the scripture, you tell us in so many different ways. You tell us, in stories, you tell us in parables, you tell us in poetry, you, you tell us in narrative, you, you, you uh, create events where we can see, where we can experience that you, um, you, are, you are not trying to get something from us. Because you are a good heavenly father, you do. You just, you want a number of things for us. And this, this is one. This is one of those areas. This is a big area where, where you have uh, a picture and a vision for each of us. And so, Father, um, my, my prayer for us as we begin this series together is that no matter how long or how short, uh, Jesus, we've been following you, whether this is, you know, familiar ground or, or brand new territory, I, I just ask, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would capture our hearts, that you would capture our attention. Jesus, we just, I just I thank you. Um, as people who have so much, I just thank you that um, all through your word, you never make us feel guilty about what we have. 
And so, Jesus, because of that, we can, um, we can very openly and, and very publicly, we can thank you for the way that you've blessed us. We can thank you for, for this amazing country that you've given to us, the opportunity that you give to us, the jobs that we have, the, the fact that we even live in a place and a time where we have the possibility of margin. There's so many people in our world, Jesus, even in today's day, that will never have that possibility. And so I just thank you, Jesus, for that, for that blessing. I, I thank you for what you're going to do through our church um, a, a month from now in our four campaign. The, the ministries, the nonprofits, the community groups that are going to be blessed um, just because of the generosity of the people that are a part of this place. Jesus, thank you for making this a church that is just filled with incredibly generous people. And so I pray that we would always be generous both individually and corporately. And Jesus, I, I do lift up every person who's watching right now, every person who's sitting here listening right now, um, who, who's feeling a little bit lost just because of the circumstances of life in this world. I just ask that you would get us to where it is that we need to be, that we can become the people you've called us to be, that we would remember, Jesus, you are our savior, you are the one that we worship. And so we are submitting ourselves, we are submitting everything you've given us, we are laying down our lives, we're laying down every area of life. We, we wanna do that, Jesus, we wanna lay that down to you in worship in honor and reverence. And so we ask for the faith that we need to trust you and to know that you will always be the one who provides for us and who loves us and who cares for us. We pray all of this, Jesus, in your name.